0: Good morning, welcome to this worship assembly. We are ready now to open God's Word. And you can see we're going to be in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. That's going to be our beginning place. Last Sunday morning I mentioned that if you have a favorite passage, you can write that down and hand it to me. Or you can send me a text message and on a future Sunday evening... I'll deliver a sermon based on that passage that you have a personal interest in. Well, here's what happened. Next Sunday night, I'll preach from Ecclesiastes 1 verse 2. Sunday night, November the 3rd, Psalm 46 and verse 10. November the 10th, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 8. And two others came in after I prepared this slide. And so this is working well just let me know of a passage you'd like to hear a sermon about and we'll schedule that on a Sunday night we meet on Sunday nights at 5 o'clock James 1 verses 2 through 4 let me begin with context the epistles of the New Testament were written to Christians to provide instruction for life so there are commandments prohibitions, rebuke, encouragement, all of this is centered in Jesus Christ and the commitment we make to Him. Consider also this fact about the New Testament writings. The epistles of the New Testament were written to Christians who were suffering persecution, the trials and hardships, of life on earth, sometimes poverty, always facing temptation. James wrote these words to his recipients, James 1, 2 through 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith Produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. A few weeks ago, I spent four days preaching at the Fry Road Church of Christ in the Houston area. That first Sunday morning, I was listening to their announcements before I came up to preach. And I heard of Christians and their family members suffering with dementia, Parkinson's, cancer, a newborn baby with serious brittle bone disease, and two recent deaths. And we have similar announcements here at Laurel Heights. We ask members to pray for people who are suffering. But there is a thought that may sometimes enter our minds, and we may not verbalize it, or if it doesn't enter our minds, we may hear it from someone else. And that thought is, this isn't fair. This isn't fair. So far as we know, these suffering people did nothing to deserve or earn the hardships and pain. A gospel preacher in Indianapolis a few months ago was mowing grass on a ride mower. In the nearby traffic, there was a road rage incident. And as the drivers and passengers in those two cars carried on their immature vengeance, a major car accident occurred involving several cars, and one car veered quickly off the highway and hit brother Ron Daly, mowing grass on his ride mower. He almost died on the scene. He was in ICU several days. He is now in rehab, just learning to walk again. Very weak voice. He will carry injuries in his body the rest of his life. Nobody would argue that is fair. So what do we do with that thought? Or if we don't have it, if we've resolved it, how do we respond personally and how do we help others with this troubling idea that comes through the mind? It isn't fair. I'm going to approach this subject with humility. Because I know I cannot answer every question or tie everything up neatly and perfectly, all I can do is take us to scripture when life is unfair number 1 remember god didn't promise that our earthly existence would be fair sometimes in our minds and in our discourse with others there's a very good question where is the passage Where is the scripture? Where is the passage where God promises that life on earth, day after day, will be fair? Where does God say there will be no disease? What passage has God promising there will be no injuries, no car accidents, No violence, no need for ICU or surgery, nothing adverse or hard. Where is that passage? Where did God say that? Now, if the passage is there and I've missed it, don't let me go home today without showing me that passage. So far as I have read and studied, it just isn't there. In the Old Testament, God made promises of good harvest and peace to his nation based on the conditions that he gave them. As he used that nation to prepare for the coming of Christ, there were prophecies and promises Specific to that nation in that time. But in any of that that we have in the Old Testament, it is never implied that there wouldn't be hardship or pain on earth. And I would suggest if someone presents a passage... And they say, here is the passage, here is the guarantee of earthly perfection that says no hardship on earth. Take a close look at that passage in its context. When the verse is studied in its original historical setting, is that what it says? Is there a promise to all of God's people forever that life will be fair? Conclusion, there is no passage in the Bible where God says that life on earth will be fair. In fact, in two distinct places, God reveals there will be hardships during our earthly existence. In Genesis 3, after sin entered the world, God said there would be hardship. And God used this kind of language... Cursed is the ground. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. That's all there in Genesis 3, 14 to 19. You can read all of that which is about the outcome after sin entered the world. And reference is made to this in Romans chapter 8 and verse 20. With these words written by Paul. The creation was subjected to futility. And in that context, Paul said, we groan. In addition, Ecclesiastes is testimony that earthly existence is encumbered and burdened with tragedy and crisis, often not traceable to a cause. So when life is not fair... We need to remember that the Creator has made no promise of earthly perfection or fairness. Paul said, we groan. Some people have apparently acquired the notion that there should not be any hardships for Christians ever on the earth. That just isn't in the Bible. It's not there. When tragedy strikes, and it seems so unfair, it will always be good to inquire what did Jesus do when he encountered hardship? He suffered dreadful injustice, incomprehensible pain. What was his response? I'm going to take us to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Now, before we read that passage, if there was ever a clear case of someone being treated unfairly, suffering though innocent, it would be our Lord. No sin on his part ever happened. Not a sinful thought, word, or deed. Nothing he did earned the punishment of the cross. How did Jesus handle what was so unfair? I'm in 1 Peter 2 at verse 21. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow his steps. He committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. He continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. That we might die to sin... And live to righteousness by his wounds, you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Do you make marks in your Bible? Do you highlight something or make a note or underline something? I'd mark one phrase from this paragraph Leaving you. An example. See, in Jesus' suffering and death, He left us an example of how to live a righteous life. He not only provided atonement for sin, He left us an example. When all around you there seems to be injustice, and when a lot of it seems to be coming in your direction, when nothing around you seems to be fair, When you seem to be a victim day after day, Jesus' example of strength in suffering is for you and for me to imitate, to study, to apply. Jesus' example of suffering is presented to us in a passage that leads us right into a discussion of the benefit of suffering for us while we're on the earth. I'm going to go to Hebrews chapter 12 and I'm going to read the first 14 verses. Hebrews chapter 12 1 through 14 Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this... We have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But He disciplines us for our good, that we may share His holiness. For the moment... All discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. I don't know all that God is doing in His wise providence. That's on His side. I don't get to see it. He doesn't check with me. I don't know all that God is doing in His wise providence. I know Jesus' example is for me to follow. I know he did not grow weary or faint-hearted, and I know from this passage that some hardship can be good discipline for us to make me better, to make you better. It is never a mistake to ask, what did Jesus do? How did he respond? What example should I follow when I'm going through hardship and difficulty that doesn't seem fair and that has no traceable cause when life isn't fair? Number three, there was a TV program several years ago and when hard questions were posed, there was an option To call a friend. I want to use that phrase. Call a friend. When you are overwhelmed with how unfair life seems to be on earth, when you are frustrated by pain, when you're disappointed in people, crushed by unexplainable crisis, first of all, Jesus is your friend But also, Jesus intends for us to be friendly helpers for each other. He intends for us to be friendly helpers to each other. I'm going to refer to the book of Romans for a moment in chapter 15. Remember I said in my introduction, these epistles were sent to Christians who needed help, instruction, encouragement, Paul told the Christians in the church at Rome, help each other. In chapter 15, I'm going to read the first seven verses. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. "...to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Jesus Christ, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another, as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God." Now, still in Romans 15, look with me at the last paragraph, 30 through 33 in Romans 15. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints so that by God's will I may come to you with joy And be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. God expects his people to help each other. Paul tells them to help each other. Bear with one another. And at the end of the chapter we've just read, he says he needs their prayers and he wants to be with them, his friends, his spiritual family. And then he goes further into chapter 16. I commend you to our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church in Syncria, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. God expects us to help each other in every way we are able. Here's what may be hard. It is okay to ask for help. It's certainly okay to provide help. To serve other Christians, yes. But I want to also say, it is okay to ask for help. Call a friend. When life seems hard and punishing and unfair, call a friend. In one translation of 2 Corinthians 9, Paul is saying, I do not need to write to you about helping those who belong to Christ. I know you want to do it. I hope that's true of each of us. That's one way to cope with what is unfair. We help each other. When life is unfair, pray with full trust in the Father. Pray with full trust in the Father. And we are back where we started without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways." I must never approach prayer with the attitude, maybe this will work. No. When life is unfair and you're under pressure and you pray for strength to get through that storm, who are you asking for help? The Creator who knows everything about you inside and out. I'm going to be very personal here. I often pray, Lord, help me in those areas where I know I need help. But especially, Lord, help me in those areas of life where you know I need help, but I'm clueless. God knows about our unspoken anxieties. He knows more about us than we know. He knows your address, your friends, your temptations, your doubts and fears. He assembled your DNA. Pray to Him with full trust in who He is. What He has promised and don't dictate to him the immediate answers that you want, that you have conceived in your wisdom. Ask that his wisdom be applied to help you get through the storm and be stronger. Ask that his will be done. In 1 Peter 4, 19, it says, Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Listen again. Entrust our souls to a faithful creator while doing good. And in those prayers where you depend upon the Father include gratitude. First Thessalonians 5.18 Give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in all Circumstances. Prayer must not be a matter of mechanically mindless muttering. We're talking to God through Jesus Christ. We do that based on our trust in the Creator who cares for us. 1 Peter 3 and verse 7, "...God invites us to cast our care on Him." When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears. He is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Psalm 34, 17 and 18. Life isn't fair, but God didn't promise that. He promised to impart strength while we are here on earth with a glorious consummation of a perfect eternity with him. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. One more thing. When life is unfair, when you're overwhelmed by all of it, when it's hard and you just think you're done, always do this. Look ahead at the resurrection of the just. Paul said, Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he said this, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. That labor can be hard. You can be tested, challenged, tried. God says, through your dependence on Him, the example of Christ, the testimony of Scripture, the comfort of good spiritual family members, you can keep going and doing what's right, and it is not... In vain. If you need to respond to the Lord's invitation, we invite you to come as we stand together to sing.